Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the show. Today, we are having an incredible conversation with Timothy Stutz. Timothy is a magical kids book creator, and he has one heck of a story that I'm so honored to share on the show. He has written more children's stories than anyone alive, over 86 to date, with many more that are still coming. He's a certified self-esteem coach for children, creator of powerful animal frolics for children, and a children's and family educator who has developed programs for the state of California and private foundations. He has so much that he offers in everything that he does. And it's such a beautiful conversation as we talk about slowing down in our lives, our thoughts, listening to what our brain is trying to download to us as opposed for, as opposed to having our brain work against us. We talk about staying open to the next step, even when it doesn't make sense. He shares his journey coming from a certified accountant working in jobs that was not lighting him up to opening up a chocolate store to taking him on the path that he is on today. And we dive into the power of our choices, knowing that we can create any change in our lives when we take responsibility for our choices. And when we do that, we can thrive by making, evaluating, and celebrating our choices in our life. This is such a beautiful episode that I know you're going to love. Welcome to the show today, Timothy. I'm so thrilled to meet you and to talk about you and your story. It's wonderful to be with you, Marcia, and all the listeners. All right. So there's a lot of pieces of your story that I definitely want to highlight from. But what I want to talk first is, is that you actually, your title, Magical Kids Book Creator. I love yes. that. I love that. <laughs> so we're going to dive into so much about this. But I want to ask you, did you always know you wanted to create kids books? Never in my life did I imagine creating books for children. That that was a, um, I think it was stimulated by a comment from my mother actually. Oh, wow. Really? So what did, cause I, what did she say? What was her comment that stimulated that thought process for you? Well, at the time I opened a chocolate shop and I, I was running my own chocolate shop. I had woke up one morning and said to my partner, first words out of my mouth, if Hershey's can sell chocolate kisses, I can sell chocolate French kisses. So <laughs> that that started that started a career in learning how to make chocolate and selling chocolate and it was in that chocolate shop that I received a large box from UPS one day that I did not order and the driver would not take it back because it had my address on it. So I opened up the box and there were 50 little teddy bears staring at me. And <laughs> 
be, having, having a background as a certified public accounting auditor and loving Hardy Boy books when I was a child, mm-hmm. I decided I'd find out who owned those bears. And I found out and they gave me the box of bears and I carried one of them with me in the car as a passenger. Mm-hmm. And after about two weeks of doing this, I picked it up at a stop sign one day and just looked at it and said, who are you? And surprisingly to me, he said, I'm Poet Bear. And that kind of made sense to me because I wrote love poetry. I wrote philosophical poetry. So I decided to combine all of my poetry into a little book, package it in the same box with the teddy bear and call it Tales of the Heart. I got the whole product together. My mom took one look at it and said, you blew it. That should have been a children's book. And (laughs) I said, (laughs) sorry, yes. (laughs) I said, mom, you know, it's like there's not one line in there that is relative to or for children. Mm -hmm. But I really believe that when she said that it planted a seed and Six months later, I literally got the idea for a children's story. I mean, the whole idea just popped in almost complete. I love that because so many times the the ideas are what we end up doing is not what we see in that plan. But it's it once we're open to the ideas and the downloads, then sometimes the downloads come faster than we can even keep up with. And you said something there earlier that I just want to touch on before we dive into your story more is you made the leap from an accountant. That's an interesting leap into like a chocolate, like a chocolate. We have me at chocolate store, trust me, Um, (laughs) into that and into what you do today. So where, how long were you an accountant for? Oh, 1972 till, you know, off and on until like about 1980 or so. Mm -hmm. I started working for an international CPA firm when I graduated from college and didn't like what I saw as a CPA Mm -hmm. in business, Um, basically because I saw that um, the partners were all bald and grain, and I thought they were about 60 or 65, and when I found out they were in their 40s, I thought, hmm, (laughs) something doesn't correlate here to health and uh, this profession. Mm-hmm. And and then a partner one weekend told me on a Sunday that I don't have a personal life. So that was kind of the seal the deal to get out of here. Yeah. Then I went to work for big business. And again, I discovered some things they didn't want me to discover and mm-hmm. moved from there into my own consulting practice and offering seminars to mortgage bankers and auditors and attorneys. And there was something inside of me that knew when that was done. And at the same time, the children's book started, the idea started to come in. And I also simultaneously around there got exposed to spirituality and meditation. Mm-hmm. So it's like okay. all of a sudden, all of that stuff was coming together to shift my life out of accounting. That is beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Because all of a sudden, all these other doors open up and these ideas come down. And it's it's just always funny because we look at it sometimes we spend a chunk of our life in this part, like as we're in, you know, the left brain, um, very analytical, very specific. And then all of a sudden now we're in this creative side that is open and different and fulfilling in so many ways. So thank you for sharing that piece with us. So as you started to, when did you release your first kids book? And what was it called? Uh, the first one is just the title of the main character. Poet Bear turned into Blissberry Bear, who writes the stories. 
Mm-hmm. And Poet Bear comes along to help out when there's poetry in the story. Mm-hmm. But the main character became Blissberry Bear because it just has a nice rhyme to it. And I, I love the term bliss. I, I like to live in bliss. Mm-hmm. And Blissberry Bear comes to Earth in a blue pearl starship from the Great Bear constellation to help out kids, you know, when they have challenges, understand things on Earth from a different perspective. And yeah, just tell stories to kids, enlightening stories, inspiring stories. I love that. I mean, I grew up as a reader, so I I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't have little kids now to see how different it is. And I, I hope that we're still reading some books. Like I hope it's, you know, not just screens, but I hope that we're still reading some books because there's so much there in reading that can open up for us when we're younger. It's actually the foundation for our entire life, learning words and the ability to create visual images within our head and imagine mm-hmm. that connects neural pathways. And it's, it's, it's been proven by human development experts, especially Joseph Chilton Pierce, um, mm-hmm. that the ability to create internal images is one of man's highest achievements. And anything we can do to stimulate that, the younger the younger and the children we can do it, the me. Wow. I love that because that's not always, like that's not always a focus. I know even when my kids, my kids are 20, almost 25 and 23. And at that time, like when they were younger, even then you could see that some of the creativity was being stifled out. Like, I'm not going to go down a whole education, but you could see (laughs) that the, like it was being stifled out. I will never forget my youngest son, very creative. He designs clothing. So it's like, he's just got really unique um, things that he has learned and taught himself how to do. But I remember when he was younger and there was like, they had to create like a little kid's book they had to do with the numbers. And she, the teacher wanted like one number on a page and he didn't, he made this creative collage with all of the numbers on each of the page. And then the number that was the number for the page stood out, but this was really unique collage. And she's like, he did it wrong. And I'm like, why does it have to be wrong or right? Like he still did all of the pieces. And I remember him vividly saying, what's wrong with being different? What's wrong with being different? And I'm like, I don't know. Nothing is wrong with being different, but there was no room for that kind of out of the box thinking. And, you know, that was still 20 years ago, like 18, 20 years ago. So I don't know what that's like now, but I love what you're doing and what you are offering because one of the things that you had in your list here is as a, I call title, but as a title other than author is like a self-esteem coach for kids. And I think that is really a powerful sentence. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that means? Self-esteem, self-development, inspiration is built into all of the stories. Uh, They weave fantasy with reality, myth and mystery, adventure, Mm -hmm. Um, with human development principles, poetry, um, values, all all of that's woven together literally to give a child and a family. It's really a comprehensive educational program built within entertaining and fun stories. You know, I I spent 40 years teaching different forms of meditation, Tai Chi, Qigong, yoga. So all of my experiences from that Mm -hmm. are built within the stories too. That's beautiful. I love that you've weaved that piece of it. And as you talked about there, how many you spent 40 years in learning different types of meditation, 
learning, practicing, and teaching different forms of meditation, Tai Chi, Qigong, yoga. Yes. What has meditation done for you? Uh, the simple the simple term is everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I look at all of those, I could even put Tai Chi and yoga and Qigong under meditation because mm-hmm. they're really moving meditations where you're focusing only you're moving. Mm-hmm. But they've cleared my mind out. They've made my body strong and healthy. And I believe it's the source for being able to write more than 86 children's stories because my mind is so clear mm-hmm. and I don't, my mind does not think unless I want it to think. So it's literally an open field where information can come in. And so I I attribute that to the focus in meditation and clearing out all of the chatter and cobwebs and worries and all of that stuff that used to occupy it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm only laughing because it's, I've been probably for the last five, eight years, really embodying different kinds of meditation, different things that work, subliminals, breath work, and just really at the point of slowing down my mind, my mind goes fast. It literally goes fast. And when you are in a space of it going fast and your mind can be your biggest asset, like I know I have incredible ideas that come down, but if it's always muddled, then I can't hear them. I can't see them. It's it. That's the piece of meditation. But I know I have resisted it a lot because it's just been, it's it's uncomfortable. Our mind is our friend when we learn to control it instead of letting it control us. You know, I used to ask a lot of my students, I'd ask them, where's your mind? You know, and they'd point to their brain and they didn't get the difference that, you know, no, the brain's a physical organ. Exactly. <laughs> and it's necessary. But our mind is like our soul. It's invisible. Mm-hmm. Or the heart that loves, it just doesn't pump blood. You know, it's invisible. Mm-hmm. And so to tap into those invisible aspects of us is what meditation does. I'm assuming that that is a very key part about how you have been able to author. Did you say 86? 86 so far. I have 10 in outline form and ideas for a lot more. Okay. This is just, I mean, I have published my solo book, another book, and co-written five other chapters. This is no joke. That's like really impressive. 86 children's books in how, what's the time frame? Over the last 40 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'd go in spurts when I, after that first one, you know, ideas kept coming in and I think I probably did seven or eight pretty much back to back. And because I've changed careers so many times, you know, it's like these doubts, you know, it's like, should I really be doing this? And what's the purpose of all of this? And mm-hmm. I would get messages. I think the second story I wrote, I was writing the very last words to the story, which were, and she disappeared. And my mother and grandmother were in another room listening to a soap opera. And the character said, and she disappeared as I wrote, and she disappeared. I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> wow. <laughs> then I wrote a, then I wrote a story about circles and to kind of commemorate the finishing writing that story I lit a stick of incense before I went to bed and when I woke up in the morning the incense stick had burned into concentric circles and did not fall off the stick oh that's so all, all the ashes were just together in concentric okay. circles yeah it was really cool so the universe God gives me different 
messages that, yeah, you're on the right track here. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is like, that's very, very impressive. Honestly, what has been one of the biggest surprises about um, writing this many books over the years? What has been one of the biggest surprises for you? That every time I read one of the stories, I'm, it's like I read it for the first time. So I, I don't look at myself as the author form. It's like the information comes through. So every time I go back to look at it, it's like, wow, this is pretty cool. And before I moved five years ago, I went through my computer and I was just trying to get things in order. And I found a story that had been started. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't even recognize that I started the story. In fact, I called up a friend because we were working on a joint project. And I said, did you write this? And she said, no, you did. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So that's been one surprise, the the creativity. Mm -hmm. One story I sat down and I actually started writing from the end and went to the beginning. Wow. I had no idea that was going to happen. Two years ago, I started writing more in, in poetry that rhymed. Mm-hmm. And that had not been prevalent before. So I I know these stories keep opening up consciousness and imagination and fairy tales work like that. And Einstein said, you know, a mother asked Einstein one time, she, she had a 12-year-old boy and he wanted to be a scientist. So she asked Einstein what she should do to help promote that. Mm-hmm. And he said, read him fairy tales. And if you want him to be even more brilliant, read him even more fairy tales. Reading really opens up the brilliance in whatever a child wants to be. Doesn't have to, doesn't have to be a scientist. Mm-hmm. There, there's just something about reading and being able to use the imagination and laying a foundation for the future life that is really, really magical. So myself, that I keep learning and growing and stimulated by new ideas and able to write and rhyme story after story now, which I don't even intend to rhyme when I sit down to write it. So I find this whole process quite magical. <laughs> It sounds like it. Now, if you look back, would you, do you think that like your English teachers in school would be surprised at what you're doing now and how many books you've written? Uh, a few of them would not be. The English teacher that I had for my first semester in college that literally was so hard on me that made me go away from English as a major, <laughs> she might be really surprised. It's awesome. I love it. So you do also like I I see here and I'll make sure it's on the show notes that you have like guided meditations, fairy tales and songs for kids exercises for the whole family. I I do have many guided meditations for both adults and children Mm -hmm. and Qigong exercises. I have a course called The Magical Miracle of You, which is a 10-week course, which incorporates the books. It incorporates the Power Animal Frolics, which I developed for exercise for children, and other things within lessons, and it's 10 weeks lessons for the entire family. That's awesome. Honestly, that really is, because this is... I think it also, the thing I really do like about what you're doing is it opens up so much for families and reading and, you know, slow down. Like I honestly, I think that is, (laughs) I really do feel like that has been such a lesson of the last couple of years is like, what do we actually need to take on? How can we slow down? How can we like stay more present? How can we focus and control what is ours to control and take care of ourselves? Yes. I've actually designed the books to not only facilitate children's imaginations, but to create more of a bonding experience with the reader, with the parent, Mm -hmm. because most of my stories do not have pictures inside. I don't 
want the children to be influenced by what some adult puts on a page because then a child's sitting there, they're focused on one image the whole time, but the words can be covering me. I want the children to be able to create their own images and to be able to share that with their parent. Mm -hmm. And together they can even draw the what they're seeing and put down things like that. So it's a much more bonding experience. So it does slow the whole process down. Here's a computer tab, sit and read or look and have fun. And I've got to go do dishes. Exactly. Right. As something to keep them busy, which listen, I understand. I I am not putting that down because I do understand, but I like (laughs) that process of, you know, it's not just a babysitter. It's like, there's something for them that they will get from this style of reading and slowing down again, being present, right. Being present in what they're doing. Yes, being present, it opens up the imagination. It opens up the ability to hear what to do next instead of what we think we have to do next. Mm-hmm. I think that is, a, I think that sentence in itself is a really powerful one because I do think we get caught up in what we think we are supposed to do next instead of staying in that moment and enjoying it. One of the ways people can stay in that moment, which is really simple, is anytime you get up and have to walk from one place to another, focus at the soles of your feet and breathe. Mm-hmm. You know, don't think about what you just left. Don't think about where you're going. You know where you're going. So mm-hmm. don't, don't keep thinking about what you're going to do when you get there, but just focus on being present with each foot hitting the ground. And that, that's a way just to start bringing uh, focused meditation, mindfulness into your life without changing anything. Mm-hmm. Just being focused when you walk. I love that. I'm going to actually think about that when I do it, because I, I spend a lot of time, especially when it's warmer here in the summer, because I'm in Ontario, um, Canada, and this huge 70 year old tree in my backyard. It's my favorite thing to sit underneath of it. It's like literally, I, I, so many people say your, your pictures are all outside in the tree. I'm like, yeah, and they're going to be because this is where I want to be is with that tree. I, it is, but it's definitely, it slows me down. Like it's, which is good. It's a good thing. It slows, it slows me down and keeps me present, but I can't stress enough how, how much it opens for us to slow down and stay in that moment as opposed to right planning ahead and what's next and what's next always rushing schedules yeah it's an entirely different life and what really woke me up one morning and it really happened as i was awakening one morning you know that space right before you become fully conscious Mm -hmm. i literally watched my mind planning out what it was going to do during the day (laughs) and take me along for the ride and i thought this is nuts Mm -hmm. i'm not even out of bed yet i'm not even fully awake and my mind is planning my day. Mm-hmm. And I just, at that point in time, I really took control and, you know, really learned how to focus and meditate and learn that, you know, I can, I can use my mind like I use an arm or a leg. So if I want an arm or a leg to move, I just ask it to move and it does so immediately. So we can do the same thing with our mind. We can <laughs> ask it to think, we can ask it to be productive, we can engage it, and we can also say, eh, it's time for you to rest. <laughs> It's time for you to not be so active. And with practice, it will do that. Well, then you're using like your literally one of our biggest assets that we have. You're using it to your advantage instead of letting it run the show. I think I I read this one has stuck with me. I think of it every single day is if you wake up in the morning and the very first thing is that like, like planning out what my day is then, or I didn't get enough sleep or I have too much to do today. You've already bookend the front end of your day in lack and not enough. And then at the end of the day, if you're like, I didn't get enough done. 
I didn't get enough. Like now you've bookend the end of the day, which means you're always in a state of trying to like get ahead or whatever we want to call that, but you're putting yourself in that state of lack. And it's that piece on the mind has been really powerful for me to catch myself. Right. So it's like when I feel my, I have an alarm that wakes me up to birds, which I know sounds really silly, but I love mm-hmm. my birds. It's not like this bolting alarm. And as soon as I hear it, sometimes I go to get up and I'm like, nope, not until you stop and think like, what are you grateful for? <laughs> what are you like? Slow it down and intentional. But I think well, like what you're saying too, is the more it does take work when you're creating that change. But the more intentional you can be, then you can train your brain to work for you. Yes. And, you know, speaking of bookends in the morning and the night, one of the most recent stories I wrote was just about that for children. And it's called Sunshine, Starshine, Submarine Sandwiches. Oh, I love that name. (laughs) Say it again. Can you say it again, please? Sunshine, Starshine, Submarine Sandwiches. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my stories, I like to teach children about history and how things develop like sandwiches and all different types of sandwiches and then work in the self-development within that. Mm -hmm. So literally what you said, this story teaches children to awaken and fill themselves with sunshine Mm -hmm. as the day begins and as they go to sleep at night to fill themselves with starshine. And there's a few poems weaved in there. And then the meat of the sandwich, the filling of the sandwich is what they do during the day. And so there's practices in there that they can do during the day to feel uplifted, feel inspired. And so, yeah, it's like create the bookends and create the filling too. So that's intentional. So that this is just a question I want to ask you is like, what does it mean to live intentionally to you? Live with intention. Just being present in every moment to align myself with the universal harmony and flow. And I kind of, I have a prayer every morning that I ask for just to be in harmony so that this little cell, I just look at my entire being as a cell, as one cell within this entire body of God. Mm -hmm. And I want this one little cell to be functioning as perfectly as possible so that the whole thing comes into harmony as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, So just to be focused in every moment, Mm -hmm. no matter what I'm doing, and being willing to be present with people that are with me instead of thinking I might have to do something different and mm-hmm. that is that is beautiful instead of always planning for the next thing and the next thing i i love that thank you for sharing that and honestly thank you for sharing everything that you have um i love the other thing that you said in your questions or you sent in was like the power of choice. I would love to know what does that, what do those words mean to you? I actually started contemplating that on a deeper level this morning. <laughs> I, you know, I love the word choice. It's a big part of my life. It's a huge part of my life. <laughs> and and something actually came in that I really didn't think, it was, it was amazing to me what came in, but um, I didn't think much about, I wasn't given many choices as a child. and didn't think much about it. And then I had a dream one night when my daughter was young. She was probably about three years old, four years old. And I had a dream and I was at a program with one of my meditation masters. And they said, at the end of this talk, everybody's going to get to come up and ask one question. So I find myself standing in line thinking of, you know, what am I going to ask? And I'm going to ask this, I'm going to ask that. And I get up there and it's my turn. And I said, tell me how to raise my daughter. And the response was, give her choices. And 
And I never thought of that before. And so from that moment on, I always gave her choices. You know, I might have put boundaries around the choices so that yes. <laughs> things, things didn't get out of hand. But she always had choices. You know, she had choices where she, what she could eat and choices she could choose meals for the whole family and what clothes she'd put on, even if they were <laughs> not matching. And, and I saw it was really powerful because with choices, you can also see that, well, I made this choice and you can start to see the consequences of those choices. Well, this worked out. This didn't work out. You know, people are telling me what I'm wearing doesn't look so hot or, <laughs> mm-hmm. or whatever. Or what I'm choosing to eat. I just don't feel so good after I eat this. So that's how I really started focusing on choices like that. Mm-hmm. And what, what what came to me this morning was, you know, we come into this life and we're given certain things that we don't have choices about. And, and what hit me initially was I came in, I was given red hair and freckles. <laughs> okay, that's... That was I. <laughs> That was very unusual as a child. So it created a lot of bullying, a lot of name calling, a lot of friction. And so it's not only the choices we make have consequences, but we have to learn to live with the choices or the hand we're dealt to. Um, So that, that just put a whole new spin on it this morning for me that I hadn't thought of. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I was born red hair, lots of freckles. And my family, honestly, their first reaction was what? Like it was because <laughs> there is no, there was no other redhead, which means I spent most of my life, my younger years, all the milkman jokes, all the, you know, I definitely, Me too. definitely was a big part of my life was the teasing. It's funny. Cause I, it's, I think I'm just that different feisty. I do. I, I think that was part of who I was, but I learned to love those pieces. Like I, I learned to, you know, the red hair is like, because back then there was very few of us in school that were redhead, very few Yep. and uniqueness is okay. Right. Like uniqueness is it's okay. It doesn't, we don't all have to be the same. Right. It took me a long time to get all, I was also very short as a child and it wasn't until I was in my thirties and I was actually hiking. It was when I was training to be a Reiki master and I was hiking in the mountains outside of Santa Fe, New Mexico with a whole bunch of people. And I watched a lot of people having hard times getting up certain from one area to another Mm -hmm. because they had really short legs. And it was easy for me, but it took that to realize, oh my God, my legs aren't short because it had been so ingrained in me as a child that I had short legs. And it took that instance to realize, wow, I've really got long legs. Funny. (laughs) And let let go of some of that childhood stuff. (laughs) Well, and it's a great point in the sense you just made me think of it relating to kids is how we see ourselves is not always the truth. Exactly. And it's important to help children see the innocence, the beauty, the perfection of who they are, and to make sure that they're not feeling bad about themselves or giving me, you know, like I have so many, my Tai Chi teacher, you know, her nickname was Grace because she wasn't graceful. You know, that's what her parents called her. And, you know, it took, it took a long time for her to get over that. So you know, talk about intention. You know, when you're when you're a parent, you really have to be intent with your words and watch your words and understand that they have so much power. And it only takes it just takes a little bit to damage a child forever. And right, it does stay with us. We're all going to make mistakes parenting. My kids are grown now. We had a 
one hell of a journey, but I can say, I openly said to them, you know, like, I guarantee you, I made mistakes. I 100% guarantee you, I made them in my era. I think this is fair to say it was never owned that an adult made a mistake. That was not something that was ever owned. It was just the right. right. And you are always wrong. That is, that's how that came across. So I, I remember having these conversations, even with my kids as they're older now, it's like, I guarantee you, I made mistakes. I 100% did. I did. But did I do the best that I could at that time? Did I do it with the highest intention? Yeah. And I own it. It's okay. I think we can't shoot for perfection, but I do think it's okay to own mistakes when we make them. And especially when we own them, then, you know, that gives the other party permission to just relax and yeah. say, yeah, you know, we're all doing the best we can, no matter what our age is. Mm-hmm. 100%. I love, I love that you're weaving all of these life lessons into kids books. I really do. And I love that you're keeping that art form alive. Like I really, I just, I think that that is fantastic. 86 Thank books you. done and you have 10 more that you are like working on right now too. Uh-huh. Amazing. And I only work on one at a time, I but I get the ideas and I jot them down. And then when spirit moves me, I go back and look at some of the ideas. And when it feels like it's ready to flow, it comes out. Like I, I had on the drawing board, I wanted to write a story about virtues. Mm-hmm. And I had that written down for years. And then not too long ago, I met a lady who every year for the 12 days of Christmas, she gives her nephew a book for each of the 12 days. And then on the last day, she gives him this big basket of books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought well, that was just so cool, you know, and I wrote that down. And then I was meditating one morning before this last Christmas. And I got the idea of combining her story with virtues mm-hmm. and wrote on the 13th day of Christmas. And so each of the 12 days is about virtues and one of the virtues. And once I got the idea for that story in meditation, it came out as a rhyming poem, completely done within two hours. I designed, I don't design my own covers, but I did this one. Mm-hmm. And then I sent it to my graphic artist to put in some words and stuff. And he usually takes weeks to get back to me. And he sent me a, <laughs> a completed picture within two hours. Hours, and I thought, wow, this is really magical. Mm-hmm. So I was able to get it out before Christmas. That's beautiful because it was meant to be. I do think that I think one of the key things you're really sharing that we can all apply into our life is when we can get still, create space, allow those downloads. Sometimes they come down super fast. I have written some of my my I feel some of my better work came in a very fast download, sometimes very, very fast download. When I was open and ready, now I'm like in a space that if I try and I have a deadline or I'm trying to write and it's not coming, I don't write. I, I walk away. I go to yoga. I go out in nature. I walk. And 99% of the time, the idea is there. And I'm like, oh, do I need to record that? I just And I will just hit voice <laughs> note and I literally download it, but it never comes from sitting and doing. Never. It does. That's not what happens. So that's how many of the great inventions that we use every day in life have come. You know, people have worked and thought about things and thought about things and it just doesn't gel. And they go out for a walk. They look up at the stars and wow, there's the answer right there. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Oh, I love that. Go and let in. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you have, I make sure everything is in the show notes, but where's the best place for people to follow you? 
Look for your books. Learn more about you. Timothy Stutz, S-T-U-E-T-Z dot com. Mm -hmm. And there's a item up in the menu for freebies, which does have those guided meditations that you mentioned, a couple of fairy tales for the children, some songs for the children, some Qigong exercises. And I just created a webinar for parents, caretakers of children. It's called Three Magic Wands for More Creative creative, happier, and empowered children. And that that's a free webinar. It's about 90 minutes long where I walk through ways to become happier and more creative and more empowered and also gives parents a way that they can know how to choose and know that their choice is the best choice they can make. So there's an exercise in there. So it's not only about making choices, but you know, how do we go inside to help us make those choices? I love that. I love all of that because I think that's a, that's a very key, that's a very key thing. And as parents, it's, we can get very caught up sometimes and I want to do it perfectly. And I want to do it like, make sure there's no mistakes. And again, as we just said, that's not how it works, but we can go internally to make decisions. I've had to make some really difficult decisions as a parent that I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish on anyone, but I did have to go inward and be quiet and, and figure out what that next step was going to be. And our heart knows the next step and the next step doesn't always lead to the outcome we are expecting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like I knew to open that chocolate shop, I didn't know it was going to be the source of where I would move to writing children's stories. Mm -hmm. And I know if I follow my heart, no matter what the result is, even if it's something totally <laughs> what I would term not so <laughs> the positive, mm -hmm. <laughs> I know there's a purpose for it as long as I'm following my heart. Beautiful message. Beautiful message. Yes. And the chocolate shop had a very key part in getting you to hear. It definitely did. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. If I can ask you one more question, it is like, what lesson in life are you most grateful for? What I'm most grateful for is the fact that when I saw my life was not working the way that it was programmed to work, that I ended up laying in bed crying for three days and yelling out to God. Mm -hmm. um, my mother's taught me, now I lay me down to sleep and I've prayed to you ever since she taught me that. And if you exist, I need to find you. And from that moment on, everything opened up. It was like a surrender. It was like letting go of what I thought I had to do and was programmed to do. Yeah. And from then, things just kept opening up. So I think that lesson is, again, tuning into our heart, going inside, going to sit under the tree, taking a walk and continually going back inside and just saying what's next and appreciating every breath, appreciating every moment. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Honestly, thank you so much. It was wonderful to have you here today. Oh, thank you, Marcia. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life. <laughs>